Hello and welcome to our podcast today. My name is Sue Pryor. I'm a partner in the clinical negligence team of Shoesmiths. I'm very pleased to be introducing the podcast today, which is about maternity care. Uh, Firstly, I'd like to introduce Denise Stevens. She's a clinical negligence partner and head of Thames Valley Serious Injury Team based in Reading. Denise specialises in catastrophic injuries, including obstetric cases, many of which have sadly resulted in cerebral palsy. I'd also like to introduce Maria Booker. Maria is an expert on maternity policy and practice and is programme director for Birthrights. Birthrights is a charity that champions respectful care during pregnancy and childbirth. Maria oversees Birthright's frontline advice service and training for healthcare professionals and is in charge of the charity's policy and campaigning work. Denise and Maria are going to have a chat today about various issues that have arisen in obstetric care and how Maria's charity Birthright's is able to support mothers and parents who are bringing children into the world. Hello, Maria. Hi, Denise. Today, I I would like you to tell me about what Birthrights does for individuals. And also, I understand there are a number of strands in relation to healthcare training. And from helping individuals and the healthcare training, creating policy. If you could tell me about that. Thanks. That's right. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about what we do as a charity. So Birthrights is the UK charity that aims to improve maternity care through a focus on human rights. And we have a number of strands to our work, as you said. So we run an advice service for individuals. So um, women and birthing people can contact us at any time during their maternity care or indeed after their maternity care if they have any questions about um, the choices they're being offered or what happened and they'd like help making a complaint um, or any other issue that relates to human rights and maternity care. Um, But healthcare professionals can also contact us. So if they have any query about a situation they're encountering and whether they're being asked to do something that they don't feel is the right thing to do, they're also really welcome to contact us for advice. So that's our advice work. Um, And we also work really closely with healthcare professionals um, with our training program. So we train um, at a number of trusts um, and also offer our own training sessions and go to talk at other people's um, training sessions as well. And we try to empower healthcare professionals um, with knowledge about human rights care. Um, We want them to feel that they can give the care that they came into the profession to give. Um, So uh, we want to really help them have an understanding about what their obligations are and um, how they can work best with women and birthing people and really listen to what they want and what's best for, for the individuals they look after. So that's our training work. And then we use what we learn from both our advice service and our training work with healthcare professionals. And that informs what we do in terms of policy and campaigning work. And also we do the occasional uh, legal intervention too. So Maria, I understand that there's an inquiry into racial injustice, uh, the results of which are coming out next week. Can you tell me what involvement Birthrights had in that and how it was structured? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a really important uh, piece of work for birthrights because uh, it's been the case now for a number of years that black women are four times more likely to die around the period of childbirth. Um, Asian women are twice as likely to die and women from a mixed ethnic background are three times more likely to die than white women around the time of childbirth. Um, So birthrights really wanted to understand what was happening and how that felt to the people affected. Uh, So we pulled together an expert um, panel. It's um, chaired by a QC 
um, and is jointly led by a healthcare professional and also a service user uh, lead as well. Um, the panel's made up of around 20 people and they've worked for over a year uh, on this inquiry. So they've been listening to evidence from individuals and from focus groups, but also from the main bodies in the sector. So the Royal Colleges, um, regulators like the Nursing and Midwifery Council and so on. And um, they'll be publishing the report next week. So we really hope that that will contribute um, to making a difference and bringing down those inequalities and outcomes. Maria, when the report comes out next week, uh, will there be any recommendations in it? And, and who will these recommendations be to? Yes, there will be a number of recommendations in the report and the recommendations will be directed to the relevant body. So, for example, um, there's likely to be a recommendation to NHS England that each trust should um, undertake anti-racism training for all of their staff working in maternity care. And there'll be recommendations to the Nursing and Midwifery Council and to the Royal Colleges and other relevant bodies as well. As part of the work the Birthrights does, that's, that's an excellent piece of work and uh, will be so informative and helpful um, to those bodies that, that, that need this information to make change. Well, thank you. But the important thing is that that work has really been informed by um, the individuals themselves. It's been an opportunity for people who haven't always had their voice heard to give their evidence and to explain how their maternity care felt to them. And I think that's very hard for those bodies to ignore. And I think that's the piece that we've been able to fill in. That's the missing piece of the jigsaw. A very important report that came out earlier in March of this year was the Ockenden report. Within that, uh, the report identified failures to investigate, failures to learn, failures to improve, and therefore often fail to safeguard mothers, their babies at the most important times in their lives. Um, what did, what did birthrights think about this report? Well, it was a really shocking read, wasn't it? It was very difficult to understand how such a toxic culture could have taken hold and could have existed for such a long period of time, particularly as there were so many external um, investigations and reports that seemed to have been ignored or overlooked the breadth and depth of the problems that existed in that trust. So I think it was really hard for everybody to read. Um, I think some of the things that stand out are the staffing issues and the fact that there wasn't safe staffing in many of the areas of the trust and that really contributed to poor care. And I think that's really worrying because we know that that is an issue across many maternity units at the moment. And we know that the number of midwives, for example, is declining and guess the situation is just getting worse. I think that represents a real threat to the ability of maternity units to be able to give the safe and personalised care that, that many of the staff in those units want to be able to give. Yes, in, in speaking to uh, a number of midwives, the, the words burnt out comes up on a number of occasions. Do you have any information on that when you, you're doing your training in with the NHS? I think that's what we see as well. I think burnt out is a really pertinent description of how staff are feeling at the moment. So staff have been through a pandemic and what we know from working with research partners about that period is that at the beginning of the pandemic, the staff really pulled together and felt they were there was a camaraderie in working together in that situation that was bigger than them, that was scary, but everybody was pulling together and there was a real team spirit. 
But what we've seen since then is that people have worked really hard. They've um, had to cover for staff that have been off sick um, and people are feeling really, really tired and exhausted. And uh, the result of that is we're now seeing more midwives and other maternity staff leaving now that the pandemic is um, subsiding than at the height of the pandemic itself. And that is really worrying um, about the sustainability of staffing in maternity services in the long term. Looking at the report, it indicates that frequently the same mistakes are being made. And in my everyday practice of dealing with obstetric cases, that's what I see. The same mistakes over a period, I've been doing this job for more than 20 years, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, and and even now, the same mistakes that doesn't seem to be a learning pattern. And, and, and this is a great sadness for me personally to see this happening to families uh, where children end up with catastrophic injuries. Absolutely. And it, it, is that the flavour you, you also saw from the report? Yes, I think that's a, a real tragedy of the report, isn't it? That they were so many opportunities to learn lessons and they just weren't taken. Um, but unfortunately, I think that could be said of many maternity units again. Um, I think there's a lack of learning with the NHS in general. I think uh, when we see complaints being made, they are often not handled very well or the response is quite defensive and they don't seem to be used as an opportunity to see how things could be improved and how things could be done better, which is a real worry. Another common thread that was coming through is that women aren't listened to either during the antenatal period or during labour or being able to be always be part of the process making decision. Mm. Uh, what did birthrights think about that? Well, sadly, that is what we see from our advice line almost every day. Uh, that's the change that we really need to see in maternity services. We need to have services that are centred on the woman or the person giving birth and really listening to them and personalising the care to their needs. And I think what we have at the moment, unfortunately, is a conveyor belt system where people are put on a pathway and they're expected to follow that pathway. And staff are really worried about what happens if there's any deviation from that. But that isn't personalised care. And that's where we go into trust and try and explain to healthcare professionals that human rights law actually empowers healthcare professionals to deliver personalised care. That's what they should be doing. That's what the law says is required. Uh, one of the patrons of birthrights is M Nadine Montgomery. Now, Nadine Montgomery brought a very important case in 2015, where before the Montgomery decision, a doctor's duty to warn patients of risk was based on whether they had acted in line with the responsible body of medical opinion. This was known as the Bolam test. The court accepted that if Mrs. Montgomery had been told about the risks of dystocia, she'd have chosen a caesarean. Nadine didn't know about those risks or wasn't able to make that choice. Do you think since 2015 there has been a sea change with an empowerment of women being told the full facts and then able to come to an informed decision? 
I'd really like to say that there had been a sea change, um, but unfortunately, if there has been change, I don't think it's gone far enough. We did a survey with Mumsnet in 2020 to mark the fifth anniversary of the Montgomery versus Lanarkshire decision. And we wanted to find out whether women and birthing people felt like they were the primary decision maker in their maternity care, which is what the law requires them to be. Uh, and only 45% of respondents to that survey felt like they were the primary decision maker in their care. And many felt that they were not listened to or they weren't given enough information to make an informed choice or that their choices were not listened to when they'd made them. And that's really concerning. I think it shows that there's still quite a long way to go. I think there's more awareness around the need to have uh, Montgomery-style conversations. And Birthrights has been working with NHS England on a two-way consent tool called iDecide, which is currently being piloted in three hospitals. And that gives healthcare professionals and women and birthing people a framework to talk through this decision. And it also uh, provides evidence-based information for them to make that decision. And then it will also evaluate the decision-making process after the event as well. So we hope that tools like iDecide will help to raise awareness and help to uh, get us on the path where we move more towards a culture where it's really understood that the decision is for the woman or the birthing person. It's their decision to make and the healthcare professional is there to advise them, to tell them about all the reasonable options, to give them information and to support them to make that decision. But ultimately, the decision belongs to the person who's giving birth. It, it is concerning to hear that um, only 45% of women felt empowered um, to be able, that they had the information to be able to make the decision that was right for them. Um, so it is hoped that going forward uh, with this uh, toolkit that um, clinicians will be able to help women make those decisions. Yeah. I think it's also about changing the culture and just raising awareness um, of the need to go through that that sort of conversation and of who's the decision. We still get so many advice line inquiries where a woman has been told she has to do this, that on the other and feels pressure to go down a certain route. Um, and that's not how maternity care should feel. It should feel like it's your body and your decision. Prior to the Ockenden report, NHS England made it clear to each trust they should not have targets uh, to limit caesarean sections. It had previously been thought that there was a 20% target. In 2018, Birthrights did a campaign um, on maternal request caesarean and we wrote to every trust in the country and every CCG in England and asked them uh, how many caesareans uh, they by maternal request they carried out and what their policy was on maternal request cesarean. And we found that only 26% of trusts were in line with the NICE guidance, which says that women should be offered a cesarean if they're making an informed choice. They should be given a, the opportunity to have a discussion around the risks and the benefits. But ultimately, if that's what they want, they should be given it. And that's been the NICE guideline since 2011. So um, I think it's a little bit more complicated than the NHS having suddenly said that targets uh, shouldn't be in place for cesarean sections. Um, I think when we did that report in 2018, uh, a lot of trust didn't necessarily have a target, but there was a lot of reluctance to follow the NICE guideline 
the impression was that people felt that women should really prove their case if they wanted a maternal request cesarean. And Tease Law, um, another law firm, repeated that uh, freedom of information request last year and actually felt that not a lot had changed. So I think even with the letter, uh, there's still a cultural shift that needs to happen. It's again going back to people feeling that it's the woman or the birthing person who should make the choice about what's right for them. And I think we still see a lot of healthcare professionals thinking that they know best uh, without actually listening to the woman in front of them and hearing what they're saying about why this matters to them. There are a lot of obstetricians and midwives who deliver high quality service within the NHS. Uh, None of those people get up in the morning thinking that they're going to do harm or change someone's life irrevocably. There are positives within the Ockenden report and the recommendations that are set out will hopefully improve services in those areas where they have failed. Can you explain some of those to me? I think a lot of the recommendations pick up on work that's already going on and fill gaps. So they make clear that everybody should be offering good bereavement care, for example, and good postnatal review. Um, I think the positive out of the Ockenden report in general is that there's a real focus now on uh, maternity services and a real recognition that something needs to be done. And I really hope that that will convince the government that they need to accept the Health and Social Care Committee's recommendation to invest 200 to 350 million extra a year in maternity services to really make sure that we have enough staff as a starting point to be able to deliver the kind of care that we all want to see in maternity. And I think we also need to just bear in mind that there is a lot of good maternity um, care, as you say. And as well as looking at examples like Shrewsbury and Telford, we also need to focus on the really good examples because uh, that can really help us um, know where to move forward in the future. So as well as looking at what's gone wrong and how to avoid that, we need to look at where things are going really well and how we can emulate that as well. And when you do your training courses, is that something you look at, the, the trust where things are going well and take what they are doing and then deliver to other trusts where things are not going so well? We really help to spread best practice as much as we can. So we encourage people during our training to reflect on what they feel is going well in their trusts and examples of good care or uh, good techniques that they can pass on to others. And if we if we hear those good examples, then we um, we will share those with other trusts that we go and speak to as well. A lot of it is about having really good relationships amongst the team. You know, having a really good multidisciplinary team where there's respect um, amongst the different disciplines for what everybody is bringing to the table in maternity care. So you really notice a trust where they have those respectful relationships and have good working relationships between midwives and obstetricians in particular. Those are the trusts that ultimately deliver good maternity care. And that's the kind of culture we need to spread amongst other maternity units too. Maria, I look forward next week to hearing the outcome of the inquiry into racial injustice in maternity care. And thank you very much for being with us today and providing so much helpful information. Thank you very much for having me.
Thank you very much, Maria and Denise. The work that Maria and her charity Birthrights does to support people who are involved in maternity care, both parents and healthcare workers, makes a real difference. Please do contact this remarkable charity at Birthrights Advice Line if you feel that you would benefit from their advice and support. You can also contact Birthrights on their email address, advice at birthrights.org.uk. Denise has a vast amount of legal experience in this area, helping people where, sadly, things have not gone according to plan. She heads up a team of highly experienced lawyers at Shoesmiths who help clients who have suffered difficulties at birth and so have suffered injuries. It is clear from what we have heard from Maria and Denise today how vital it is for support to be provided in this area and how important it is that both parents and healthcare workers are listened to and supported in order to improve maternity services and to help avoid serious and life-changing injuries being suffered. From what we have heard today, there is clearly a lot more work to be done. If you have found today's discussion interesting or would like more information, please have a look at our Shoesmiths Serious Injury website, where you will find more information about birth injury and other catastrophic injury work we do, and where you can also look at our other news items. Denise and Maria, thank you very much. And thank you all very much for listening to our podcast today. <laughs>